Hi, folks. Welcome back to another edition of This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey. I'm Mike Hammett. Bill and Bill Jr. are along for today's show, and we also have a special guest. And Jr., does this guy really need any introduction wherever he goes? Well, we might have new fans this year who who haven't been following the site before rather than the previous 19 seasons, so they may need an introduction. Well, they probably still see his picture on the homepage because I haven't written anything and replaced his yet. <laughs> yeah, the, edit, the editorial content is not is few and far between on Wisconsin Prep Hockey. That's what the podcast is for. Yes, we have Michael Trzinski, co-founder of Wisconsin Prep Hockey, uh, with us tonight. He was our... Uh, if you saw the photographs on our three uh, state championship game stories, uh, he was there at the rink taking them for us. Uh, he did a wonderful job. Thank you. We we tried uh, Southwood County Rec Center in Rapids. is a pretty good place to take pictures from. You're a lot closer to the ice than you are if you're standing on the end of the, the uh, clamshell a Lion Energy Center way up in the mezzanine up there, so you're a lot closer. So yeah, wasn't too bad. I had some good games, uh, and hopefully, I got a few pictures that people like. You got a couple nice yeah. shots of pucks going into nets, like at the right time. Yeah, and what I was gonna say about that is that I thought that I was like a millisecond late on almost everything that I was doing and that's because obviously I didn't take 10,000 photos this year like I do normally so you know you okay I'm gonna take the picture now and then the puck's in the net and then you push the button it's like oh shit too late so but yeah we got a, a couple that were in the net I saw a couple that clanked off the pipes uh, so wasn't too bad. Um, well, yeah, there was there was a very good one for the well the first the first goal in the the girls uh, final, but we didn't end up putting it on the the front page because that team didn't win. So we had yeah. to put a, a picture of the you know the the winning team scoring up there. But that was uh, perfectly captured that that goal with uh, ten seconds left uh, in the first period. Yeah, you know, the what do they say every once in a while the blind squirrel gets a nut or acorn or whatever the heck the, the saying is. But I had one really good one where the puck was in the, clearly in the back of the net and Caden uh, Grant was sitting on his butt next to the net kind of looking disgusted. But I saw that one. That yes. I mean, yes. that's a that's a pretty easy one. And, you know, but. I, yeah, I, I uh, briefly considered using that as the, the header story photo for yeah, the game, and I'm like, that's yeah. not right. That's not no, right. That, no. That's mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can be part of the photo gallery, but it's not something you want up there on the... You, you know, Michael, I thought the good, the really nice picture you took was the one where there was the Verona-Hudson game where there was a scramble in front. You could see the puck laying there, and you see the goalie reaching out and just, like, trying to hurry up and cover it. Mm-hmm. I thought that you know what else you see shot. in that photo? Is you see uh, the Verona player who's in the net, because uh, that was a, a two-on-two, I think, and uh, Verona crashed hard to the net like you showed on a two-on-two, and he ended up in the net. He was also reaching out for that puck to try and pull it back <laughs> into the net. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the Verona players, I believe it was Leo Renland, uh, was lobbying with the ref. Why was the whistle blown after that? Because he was the other player in front digging at that puck that is sitting just in the crease. But he was focused on the puck in the crease. He probably didn't notice that his player and the Hudson defenseman clearly knocked the net off 
uh, when they went piling into it. So he's like, why is the whistle blown? Because the puck is sitting right there, but like the net is long gone. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, um, we got, got some nice pictures. Uh, it's not the best facility for taking pictures um, color-wise, you know, as far as brightness. Uh, every once in a while, I would see pictures on the far end of the ice. They'd, they look a little bit, I call them smudgy because they're, you know, the, the clarity and the quality and it's not quite there. They're decent enough pictures, but, you know, not prototype like Tom Brandt would always get or Roger Olson. Those are some pretty good photographers with good equipment. But I think for the most part, uh, the pictures turned out well. I think some of that is the limitation of the, the, uh, the Canon uh the t5i T5i, the official camera of expansion <laughs> prep hockey right well i actually i went down to dell's house on friday and borrowed his 400 lens but the thing weighs like probably five six pounds and i remember we had i don't know if it was your lens a couple years ago where we had to have the monopod otherwise you couldn't take pictures with it and this was kind of the same deal. Um, I found that I wasn't fast enough to, to zoom it. And, you know, on the other end, you couldn't use it on the close end. You were way too close. But I got a couple of nice pictures on the far end. But for the most part, I just used my, what is it, a 250 or 255, 55 to 250, I think. But it turned out okay. So, uh, you know, something for the fans to, to look at and you know, maybe there's one in there of their kid or one of their own that they just, you know, want to print out and keepsake. A lot cheaper than the VIP or whoever's doing that down there at state. So we, we know from talking about we know that. from talking to uh, uh, Tom Shafransky that the WIA had to go through a few ranks uh, before they settled on Southwood County. They needed first they needed Arena who would guarantee them availability which the Rush Center in Green Bay wouldn't because they have Disney on ice, you know, for the month. Right. Um, and there was a couple other ones. And then they needed uh, an arena that will allow them uh, six fans per member of the traveling party, which is 29 per team. So 174 for fans per team. Uh, and they ended, they ended up with Southwood County Rec Center, which if you look at it, Hudson and Verona, uh, University School of Milwaukee and uh, Chippewa Falls, and then um, Somerset and Fond du Lac, like Wisconsin Rapids is like, I mean, if you were looking for a neutral site for those three games to be played anyway, Wisconsin Rapids is kind of like perfect anyway. Um, but how did they do with getting it all set up and, and running? I mean, they run tournaments in Wisconsin Rapids pretty regularly, but I mean, this is, this is different. This is a tournament with TV and. Yeah. And this is kind of, uh, I think, uh, a quieter time of the year as far as hockey goes, because I believe Normally, you know, those big tournaments happen either later in February or early March. So I think they were they were fortunate that way. But um, they talked to Jim Arnold and uh, Chris Fight. He's the athletic director. I believe that's how his name is pronounced at Lincoln and said, hey, here's what we need. Can you do it? And I mean, they they worked wonders. They they took, got together with a chamber of commerce and um pretty much made it all happen. Uh, there was a uh, chamber of commerce at a little meeting tent out in the front. They were giving goodies away to all the fans and stuff as they'd come in. Um, 
basically the the thing that made it so much different than any tournament that you've ever seen other than the fact it wasn't at the AAC is that there'd only be the fans for that particular game in the arena at you know while that game was going on so the first game the Springs fans and the Superior fans were in there and then when the game was over they shoot them all out side exits and then after they were all out, they did a little cleaning and disinfecting and then let people come in the front and then came into the arena. So um, it, I don't know if it, I didn't count, you know, obviously, and I'm not real good at estimating, but I thought for each game, there was probably anywhere from maybe 500 to 600 fans total between the two teams for each game. So there, I mean, from what I had heard, I mean, I hadn't gone to any games this year, and I, I don't think well, you guys went to a lot, but, you know, you're hearing talk about there just being, you know, 50, 75 fans at a game. So the stands were, you know, probably third full. So there were there was a quite amount of people there, and they were, everybody had to wear a mask. And uh, the WIAA, I think, put on a really good show. They did a really nice job, and and uh, made a good tournament happen on short notice. About 50 fans was the max for most of the state during the regular season because most teams were only allowing uh, home fans, and then it was two per team member. So you end up right around 50. Um, some There were some schools that had a home and away, and the, but there were other schools that had none for quite a while. Uh, Eau Claire didn't have fans at Hobbs until the end of January, um, I know. So, yeah, this was easily the, the most attendance that any high school hockey team saw this year. Um, I, have, I had a question. Someone answered it for me on Twitter, but I wanted to ask you now. Uh, there's a hazardous waste logo on the, the ice. Uh, is the water quality in Wisconsin Rapids that bad that the ice is No, 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 no. Um, Steve Cruiser, who is uh, a longtime hockey coach, and he also owns the the pro shop that's attached to the arena has uh, a bunch of teams under the hazard hockey um, uh, logo or whatever you want to call it. You know, they got a bunch of different teams and so hazard hockey and yeah, it looks like a hazardous symbol. I know I kind of had to laugh when I saw that. So I think burglar asked me that and uh, I just chuckled, but yeah, that's, Hazard Hockey, it's uh, kind of uh, Steve Cruiser's uh, teams that he sets up, and uh, they've been doing that for quite a few years. I think I even have a Hazard Hockey uh, light jacket, kind of like the the Wildcats jacket that I had from way back in the day. The well, I know that uh, when I think taking... Northern Wisconsin. Mm. Yeah. It was the when you're yeah, yeah. taking pictures of a game, it's kind of hard to actually watch the game. Uh, I know from experience that you know, when you're looking at the game through a lens, it's kind of hard to follow. But we're going to talk about the tournament now, and we expect you to, you know, participate. To pitch in, <laughs> I can. I I took some notes, but you're right. I mean, it is. And burglar, I know you and well, MJ too, and Dell. It's like you're. It seems like you take the pictures, and then all of a sudden the game gets interesting, and then you kind of stop taking pictures and watch the game. So yeah, it's uh, it's tough to do both, and you kind of try to keep one eye open and watch the game, and try to, well, uh, you know, I, I always try to keep 
keep the camera on the net, but then you want to watch to see where the shot's coming from so you can try to get the timing right on it. And it, it makes it difficult, but, um, you know, I think even though we take a lot of pictures, I think I took like 200 a game or something like that, which is not that many for par for the course. Usually it's like 400 a game, but um, you, you still get the gist of the game. You don't maybe see everything that you see if you're watching it without the lens, but, uh, you know, I think you get enough of it. And I had a pretty good idea of what was going on. I can honestly say, though, if, if you had to ask me who the best defensemen were, I couldn't tell you because you really don't get a chance to watch it um, and to see what they're doing shift by shift versus you can tell the forwards because they scored a lot of goals or the goalies because they got a high uh, save percentage. So, but yeah, but no, it was uh, it was a good weekend and um, good games. And I think, I think pretty much I figured I, I'm like junior. I was pretty sure that's how it was going to turn out, but uh, a lot of fun and Rapids put on a good event. Uh, kudos to WIAA and the Southwood County Rec Center and everybody there. Yeah. You, you've, you've missed it this year. Um, there has been more than one occasion where I had to actually sing the praises of the WIAA. This <laughs> no, I actually haven't missed it because I have watched every podcast that you guys did this year from start to finish. And that's uh, the first time I've ever done that. So, but um, I, you guys did a great job with, uh, well, I mean, you're doing it so you know what happens, but when you're not doing it, it's like, oh, and you guys had some really good guests on, quite the variety with coaches and announcers and guys that like to talk about Chisholm, Minnesota. I saw Bradovich yesterday. He was still talking about that. Well, the uh, yeah, the, obviously the the TV the TV people watched our podcasts also because they grabbed all of the uh, the the same uh, guests that that we did. <laughs> well, yeah, you couldn't see that since you were there, but yeah, during the D two game they had their interview with uh, BJ Brandt. During the girls game they had their interview with Mark Thorne. Uh, then during the D1 game, they had their interview with Tom Shafransky, and I'm like, man, you just taken our podcast lineup. <laughs> yeah, like our first three guests. Yeah, I got a. I talked to uh, BJ. I didn't see Mark Thorne, but um, talked to a lot of other coaches, and you know, I mean, it was good to see everybody. You know, we burglar, we've been doing this for a long time, and same with Junior and Dell and MJ, and you know. Uh, you miss the people, you know, and I, even you guys, because you didn't really get a chance to get out this year and see anybody. So it's like, you miss that. And yeah, I went to same, zero games for us. It's, it's weird. I went to zero games this year and probably saw more games than I have any other time. Just because oh, like, yeah. at, night, yeah. at night I would, I would have, I'd have streams up like just about every night, even if I wasn't like paying super close attention like if I'm out in the living room playing with my kids or whatever, I would still have my laptop sitting there with a game on. Yeah, I thought the the coverage actually was really good. You know, you you grabbed a lot of a lot of newspaper stories. It seemed like that's more than we had probably done in the past. But that was like basically between that and the the the, the streaming that that was their only connection to games. You know, I mean, it's not like we went out and did our usual. 15 or 20 a year for each of us and wrote game stories. We don't have any of that this year. 
Hey, do you no, guys like, think streaming will pick up for uh, schools? You think they'll more schools will start doing that on a regular basis? I think that for next year, fewer schools are going to do it than did it this year, but that over time it will build back up to this level. Um, once schools saw how, I mean, it's not easy by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not terribly difficult. You just have to have the will to do it. Uh, I think that enough schools saw how beneficial it is that, that it will continue to happen. Um, and I there think are, Live, Live Barn's going to stay. Yeah, Live Barn's, Live Barn's not going anywhere. And there's a couple, I mean, there's a couple downsides to that, maybe, that hopefully don't rear their head in the future. Um, I'm not going to name specific names, but I know of several instances where actual professional broadcasters uh, who stream online, um, I'll say which broadcasters, like iFan in Superior and Cooley Region Sports Network in Alaska, I know that they were both denied games um, because the school was going to be streaming it. Now, in both instances, that was a, we already have somebody doing it uh, we're limiting attendance due to COVID thing. So, but if that happens again next year, where, you know, iFan or Cooley Region Sports Network is denied access to stream a game because the school's doing it, I'm going to raise hell. Because there's a difference in quality. Um, like, the school should definitely try to do it, especially if it's a if it's a student-run thing, then definitely, by all means, you should do it. But you should not deny actual professional media from covering your game because um, they're much better at it uh, especially in the area like in terms of like camera work or whatever covering a high school hockey game with a fairly wide angle lens is not particularly difficult the camera goes left and right but in terms of play by play there is a huge difference between or you don't have any between yeah, or you don't yeah, and if you if you have any, there's a huge difference between somebody who's never done it before and somebody who does it for a living. Um, so, you know, if if that's a trend that continues next year, where like actual media broadcasters are denied access because because the school's already going to be doing it, I'm going to raise hell because that's not right. But I'm I'm hoping that that's just you know, we have you know protocols this year and we don't want to let too many people in. But if it, yeah, if it continues next year, I'll have a problem with that. Are they getting oh, that, this... that, that? That brings up the other the uh, your your our, our good buddy Chad Holmes, who it does it does it for a radio station. Yes. Well, um, you you don't even own a radio. You you listen to his you listen I to did. his feed on because their radio station <laughs> is over the internet. Yeah, their their broadcast towers can't be more than like fifteen miles from my house, but I listen to their feed on the internet because I don't right. own a radio. So, so <laughs> and, and how hard would it be for them, for Chad Holmes to bring along an extra guy with a little camera to just add a video feed to the game that he's already broadcasting? It should not be, and that's how um <clears throat> I don't know the call letters of the the Radio Plus Info. That's the the station name, Radio Plus Info out of Fond du Lac. I don't know their call numbers off the top of my head. They used to just do on the radio broadcasting, um, but you know the radio it's also streamed on the internet. And at some point, it clicked in their minds that hey, we can put video with this audio that we're already doing, and now all of a sudden you have a full broadcast. So that's what they do now. 
Yeah. Um, not every game because you still need a cameraman and stuff like that. But now that that means they're besides having video with the radio broadcast they were already doing, they're also broadcasting games now for streaming that aren't on the radio. Uh, maybe there's a conflict that night with with something else that has a higher priority, or it's just not a maybe not the greatest game in the world for their particular schedule. Like they always, if it's if it springs against the Cardinals in Fond du Lac, that one's always going to be on the radio. But if it springs against somebody from outside the area, it might not be. But now those games are streamed online, whether or not they're on the radio. So with the with the streaming, they're fine, and that's another revenue stream. People are still buying ads because uh, people are still listening. So yeah, I was gonna say, you know, there's some some schools that are actually quite adept at, at doing those streams like that with the the audio and the video, you know. And I mean, I think as time goes on, they'll get better, but. I agree with what you say, you know, like if Rick Frankie gets denied doing games for Cooley region, that's BS, you know, because he's a great broadcaster and they do an awesome job. Well, you can't because X school is doing the game live, live stream. So but you I, can't. I, I'm hoping that that particular situation was just, was just for this year and next year, you know, after everybody's vaccinated and things should be back to normal-ish that that doesn't happen. But if it does happen, well, again, even the thing is, is Rick Frankie has been there forever and he's covered a lot of their games. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who's, you know, pretty familiar with the teams. He's very familiar with hockey. And, you know, there's a difference. If it's and somebody who's the, done hockey, he did the Verona Wanaka sectional final. Neither of those teams is normally a team Cooley Region Sportsnet covers, but somebody asked him if he would do it. And yeah. they had the advertisers lined up to get the rights fee paid, so they did it. I mean, he's the and um, you know for the for the NFHS network, like the WIA did not have your Quincy Media did not have TV crews at all six of those sectional finals, so they went out to those professional streamers, and that's who was doing or not the sectional the state semifinals all six of those like. The WIA didn't have doesn't have six TV crews for hockey, so they were mm-hmm. they were talking to those streamers from around the state and doing them. So, if you paid close attention to the Superior Lakeland game at Spooner, you probably recognized the people talking as the broadcasters from IFAM. Um, you know, I, they, I don't think they ever identified themselves as such. They were the NFHS network, but you you know who they are at this point if you follow that stream. Um, so the I mean these people are professionals and they're very good at what they do. Yeah. Um, the one thing that, that I gathered from uh, all your guests that you had all year, though, talking about doing streaming and stuff like that, uh, I think Brianna Seibel said it, too, and probably a couple other coaches, is that the, they, were, they felt pretty comfortable doing the, the Zoom practices or training or whatever. And I think that's something that will probably stay, you know, because – a lot of times it's hard to get everybody together for a Sunday night practice at seven o'clock or whatever. And um, I think that stuff will probably stay, but who knows what's going to happen with the the game streaming or the game broadcast. You just don't know. You know, what's a great case for zoom practice is a day when school is canceled and all school activities are canceled. And then suddenly the coach sends out a link for optional video practice on zoom. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. Kids don't have to show up. School was canceled, and you but optional, kind of yeah. like optional team activities in the NFL. We all know how optional they are. If you're Aaron yeah, Rodgers, yeah. it's if you, if you're Aaron Rodgers, it's optional. If you're yeah. a second string offensive tackle, it's not optional. Yeah, you better be there. <laughs> well, if you guys want to go oh, ahead and talk about the... one last thing about the WIA, <laughs> okay. Hang on, MJ. Well, just I want to. In the 20 years we've been doing this, I can't I can't recall an occasion where the WIA has actually asked Wisconsin prep hockey for anything. Uh, this year they did. Uh, Wisconsin. Well, wait, there were a couple of times that they asked for an apology. Oh. <laughs> this year, this year Wisconsin prep hockey provided live stats online for the state semifinal games. Uh, the official stats were the stats that we entered. Um, so. You know, thank you to the WIA. They've never asked us for anything this year. They asked. I didn't even ask the rest of the team. Todd Clark sent me an email. We were talking about something else. Hey, is this something you guys can do? I didn't even think about it. I just said back, yes. <laughs> we will do that. And then I had to work on the logistics of actually making it happen at six state semifinal games that we weren't going to be at. Um, so I worked with, uh, I asked Brian Brant and Mark Thorne. I'm like, what are your suggestions on this? And uh, BJ said, Get with the coach and the athletic director of the hosting team and find somebody who can, you know, do that for you. And, you know, we'll go from there. So I emailed um, this, the athletic directors and coaches for all six teams. I will say that three of the games I lit, I entered myself. Um, a combination from the broadcast and uh, their official scorer sending me a text message of the score sheet every time they wrote something down. So they take a penalty. They take a penalty. They take a picture of it, send it to me, and I would enter it into the stats. Uh, the other three were scored at the arena by people there, but three of them I did uh, based on text messages and walking, watching the broadcast. So, uh, but we got them all done. Uh, only one game was really poorly scored, but we got it fixed in the end. I I spent about half an hour texting the the visiting coach after the game, like while he was on the bus, I'm like, I'm sure you have something better to be doing. He's like, I'm on a bus. It's fine. You know, fixing the, the score sheet. So we got that taken care of, but yeah, I was kind of happy. The WIA has never asked us for anything before. And you know, this year they did. So that was kind of nice. Yeah. I mean, now, I, I talked, talked to Shafransky yesterday and he is, uh, you know, said, Hey, you guys did a great job this year and we really appreciate it. So kind of following up with what you said, you know, I think, it, Bill, you will, you will agree because you mentioned it. I think um, in our early days, uh, there was a little bit of this between our group and their group. And I think we have been working together a lot better now. And we see, you know, kind of what they're trying to do and they see what we're trying to do and we're, you know, trying to make it all good. So well, hopefully that easy, keeps going. It's easy for everybody across the state to hate the WIAA. Because you don't agree with what they did, and you don't agree with this, and you don't agree with... It's very easy to hate the WIA, and we've all done it on many times. None of us wants to go back to Madison for the state tournament. We want... I think all of us want to go to Green Bay for the state tournament and play it at the Rush Center. It's nicer than the Alliant Energy Center. It has better seating. It, it's just it's just nicer all around. Their hockey is played there basically year-round, you know, Whereas the Alliant Energy Center sees ice for two weeks at the beginning of March, um, you know. But you know that decision is you know one we'll complain about forever, and we may never see eye to eye on. Plus, the Resch Center doesn't want to give up Disney on ice. So, 
Okay. So it's easy to it's easy to hate on the WIA. It's easy to hate yeah. on the WIA, but there are times when they're just in an impossible position. Hudson. Fresh, right, are you and... yelling at your cat? Yeah, he's trying to knock shit down on like uh Well if you if you side. know who who Treasure was cheering for during the state tournament, his cat is named Hudson. Yeah, let me see if I can find my shirt. I don't know where it is, but I have a Hudson Hudson Raider t-shirt and I was going to wear it, but that's from about 25 pounds ago. It doesn't fit so good anymore. <laughs> well, let's, let's move on to the state tournament. Uh, the boys side will start in division two. We'll go in the same order that they played the championship games in. Cause that, that seems like it makes sense. Uh, Superior beat Lakeland four to one on Thursday. Um, Springs beat Somerset five to one on Thursday. And then Springs beat Superior four to one in the championship game. Uh, that game, Springs, I mean, they did in both games. Yes. Before you start with that game, can I bring up the the semifinal game? Because, um, uh, yeah, well, the girls, I actually watched both of the girls' semifinal games on Wednesday. But unlike a normal state tournament, all four of the boys' semifinal games were at 7 o'clock on, on Thursday. Yes. Um, I watched the Superior uh, versus Lakeland game. And it was a good game. It was tied one to one. And there, there's just a pivotal moment in that game where Max uh, Toyola got the puck, the neutral zone, just undressed uh, Superior defenseman, went in on uh, uh, Jamin Durfee, and, you know, Fake one way, got Durfee to slide all the way out of the net and then cut the other way. And I, they didn't have replays. And I don't know what the heck happened if he lost control of the puck or whatever, but he had like a wide open net and, and the puck didn't end up in the net. Uh, superior defenseman picked up the puck behind the net, threw it up the ice, led to a three on one going the other way. Uh, Superior scored the what ended up being the game-winning goal. It went from, I mean, it went from two to one Lakeland to two to one Superior in about 15 seconds, and that that was basically the game at that point. It was just, it was even the 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 the, the, the write-up that they had in the Superior paper. I mean, the the guy who ended up scoring the goal, he, you know, you know, he he was in the neutral. He he thought they had just gotten scored on. Um, then all of a sudden, here's the puck going the other way, and fine, let's go. Um, but yeah, just uh, the, the key moment in the set, late in the second period in that game. Yeah, that just goes to show. I mean, like you said, 15 seconds, and it goes from a plus one for Lakeland to a plus one for Superior, and you know all the momentum and. All the, the wind has gone out of the sails of Lakeland, who thought they were going to take the lead. So, yeah, that's huge. And I've been trying to figure out how to say this name for a couple of weeks now. I think it's Masaizva. Masaizva. Their goalie and then one of their defensemen, I believe. They're both Masaizvas. Yeah. Um, they both looked strong in the game against Mozani, the sectional final, and I thought their goalie played pretty well against Superior. Um, but... Uh, they they couldn't crack Durfee, and I said going in that I I really like Jamin Durfee. I hate I hate saying 
if you ignore these games, his stats are great when someone's overall stats aren't great because his overall stats for the season was like a, a 909 save percentage, which is not you know, stellar. But if you ignore Eau Claire North, Hermantown, and Duluth East, his save percentage is probably much closer to like 930. Um, I don't like saying ignore those games, but well, I mean, it, that I, was Eau Claire North. North was the first game of the year. It was it was Eau Claire North's eighth game and Superior's first. Right, and Duluth and then, East and Hermantown are two of the powerhouses in Minnesota. Hermantown uh, is currently ranked number one in Minnesota's lower division. I don't believe Duluth East was in the top ten, but it doesn't matter if they are; they're going to make the state yeah. tournament anyway. So yeah, I mean, anyway, those, uh, during, oh during um, during one of the, I think it was uh, I was watching the the sectional final. One of the the announcers accidentally came up with a a, a good name for Masaysva. He when he during some way he mispronounced it Masaysva. So oh that'd be a good name for him Masaysva. You know, good name for a goalie. And put save right in there. But anyway, yeah, that was the turning point in that game as Burglar described it, and that one that went into that way. Uh, the Somerset Springs game. That one was. Um, that was the Caleb Bentz show. Um, in the end, Springs won that game five to one. He still had a nine twelve save percentage because he faced fifty seven shots. Um, that's a lot. That's a that's a busy goalie. Um, Springs outshot them fifteen to three in the first, eighteen to four in the second, and twenty four to four in the third. Um, the gap because I mean, we saw it in the in the final as well. Springs is is fast top to bottom they're just fast they're not particularly big but they're fast and they're skilled um and that was they somerset couldn't keep up with them um they had a couple nice chances um noah bailey had a goal um i liked um uh, antonio gomez uh, i liked him last year in in their state tournament games and in the sectional final i liked him again this year uh, i think he's a good good hockey player and we'll probably, I don't think he's a senior. He's only a junior, so we'll hear his name again next year. Uh, there's only two seniors on that Springs team, or Somerset team. Uh, one of them is their goalie, Caleb Bentz, who was first team all-conference in the middle border this year. Um, but yeah, that, that game, there was just, Springs was too fast. Um, and then that was true again in the in the final. Uh, Springs outshot Superior 40-12. to uh, en route to that four to one win, uh, they're just they were just too fast. Um, any little mistake Superior made with a pass uh, or stick handling, whatever Springs was just on them like right away. Um, this was a it's like a your best defense is a good offense kind of thing. Springs is just relentless on offense. Um, like I have no idea what Springs's defense looks like in their defensive zone because nobody played there. Um, the, the the whole game is just from the red line forward. It's just it's it's they're so fast, and like no there was I don't think there was more than a handful of instances of any sustained pressure in the spring zones. Most of the chances that came in on them were. Two on one, two on two, you know, three on two, breaking into the zone, you get one chance and then it's over and the puck is going back the other way. Uh, nobody was able to sustain anything on them. Uh, they're just too fast. The the first period in that game, well, we were watching the game together. Um, and, you know, there was about two minutes left and it was 
still one nothing. And I'm I like I told you that you know, I think Superior is going to be very happy if they can get out of this period just down one nothing, um, because they they were very sloppy in their defensive zone. I mean, they just kept turning the puck over to Springs in their defensive zone. And I say, you know, if they can get out of here one nothing, you know, go in and settle the group down, you know, come back. And the second period they did, they tightened up their defense. Um, in the second period, that was probably the best, the toughest period that Springs faced. Um, the shots in the second period were, were nine for Springs and seven for Superior. It was a much more balanced period. Um, Superior kept control. You know, they, they got things under control. There was no scoring in that period. So it was still only one nothing after two. Um, but then Superior had the bigger, the bigger, the bigger guys. Springs had the faster guys. And you get the bigger guys chasing the faster guys around. Eventually they're going to wear down. And that, that, that happened in the third period where, you know, let's say the, the shots were nine to seven in the second. The shots were 15 to two in the third. Because, um, yeah, Springs just wore Superior down with, with their speed. And, and that, you know, they scored, you know, three times in that third period. Yeah, the and the the same thing happened against Somerset Springs. Like, they even they even mentioned it on the broadcast when Springs got up. Um, I think it was, I think it was at the three. Maybe it was only even at the two to one point. But at one point in the broadcast, the you know the play by play asked, does does Springs, you know, let up a little play you know more defensive, hockey? The the analyst was like, no, I don't think they know how to do that. Um, they just. They don't. They don't let on the get let off the gas ever. It's just relentless attack, 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 and yeah, eventually that just wears you down. You can't, you can't keep up with it. And unless unless you can get chances on them where you score and you keep the game close, they will never leave that strategy. At least this team will not leave that strategy. Now, you know, thankfully for the rest of the state, um, I think it's either eight or not eight of nine or seven of their top nine scorers are all seniors this year, so they're not coming back next year. Yeah, I think um, it's seven of nine. They got um, Dane Dianovic and uh, the It's five the of the top six. Chair. It's five of the top six, which is the bulk of yeah. it. But even after that, yeah. So, like, uh, yeah. next year it's a whole different team. Uh, we'll finally get to see, you know, Hayden Rising has put up some very nice numbers the last two years. He's a very We think he's a very good goalie, but next year we might actually get to see it. Because um, he might have to face more than fifteen shots a game, because the puck's not all down in the other end the whole time. It's hard, and plus, it is hard to be a goalie when you're only facing fifteen shots a game. Yeah, they, they, and... they talked about it on the broadcast several times. Goalies get bored. Yeah, they definitely do, and Bill knows that. I'm sure I saw Bob a couple of times sitting there trying to text to his girlfriend or something during the game, but. Um, um, you 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 don't know that the teams that Bob played for, other than when he was in Wisconsin, <laughs> they I don't think they other than you know, well, I, no. I didn't get in trouble playing. You know, they rarely outshot the other team. Um, yeah, but um, no, I mean yeah, they get bored and they also get stiff. Yeah, any back there. And that's why you see them always skate off into the corner to to stay loose and stuff. Well, you, yeah, you can't do that while the play's going on. Well, I've seen him do that. <laughs> it depends uh, to, on how to, relentless your attack is. Oh, yeah. 
uh, burglar to build on what you said about going into the third period down one and nothing um superior probably felt good about it at that point and i was starting to wonder you know is springs gonna kick it in gear here and then superior gets takes two penalties in the first five minutes and spring scores two power play goals and it's three nothing you know with i don't remember how much time was left like seven or eight minutes left and i thought well the game's over now and then superior after too long scores a goal to make it three to one but they just you know the it was a tale of a couple different things the shots was it 40 to, to 12 both goalies played very well I think the save percentages for both of them was about 92%, but when you're facing three times the shots, you're going to give up three times a goal, and that's kind of what the score indicated. Um, Durfee and Rising both played well. Um, but uh, And then the penalties, too, like MJ said. Uh, Superior had two 10-minute misconduct penalties, um, took 10 total. Springs only had three. So, you know, that's that's all a part of it, and I definitely agree with what's been said. Springs is just very fast and very talented. And last year and this year is a perfect storm. Next year might be a little bit tougher for him with uh, losing basically three first-team All-State players and Welsh, uh, McLaughlin, and uh, Pickhart. So uh, we'll see what happens. But um, this year and last year, they had an awesome team. I don't know if he'll be first-team, but Dianovic and grass are both going to be in, in his post game in his post game comments uh coach welch mentioned uh you know the the state championship the state through the youth level that this team had 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 accomplished and um bob and i talked about that uh four years ago when we were down uh for uh, a bad we like to we like to cover the badger line conference tournament um, we were down there for that, and I was looking at the at, at the wall um, on the Fond du Lac Youth Hockey State Championships, and it's like they got this group, you know, you know, squirt state champions this year, squirt state champions the next year, Peewee state champions this year, Peewee state champions next year, Bantam state champions. And I said that group is going to be getting to high school, like either they're either freshmen this year or they're freshmen next year. So whichever school they end up going to is going to be damn good. And mm-hmm. I believe the majority of them ended up at Springs. Well, and as we learned or heard in, the, in, his, in his interview, Coach Welch coached those guys from mites on up. Which may have influenced their decision to go to Springs. Right. <laughs> and that we're not saying he was recruiting. It's not recruiting. He coached them from youth until... If they want to go to that school, they can go to that school. That is not, that's not recruiting. Right. No, it's you know, not. They they played from him the whole way up. That's the that's, that's 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 literally school choice. Then that's perfectly fine in my book. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of people... that makes me wonder: Is John Welsh coming back next year? When Ty Steffes's kid graduated, he was done. When Tim Ahern's kids graduated, he was done. Is John Welsh done? Is there another Fond du Lac hockey family that has been coming up the last four years where another coach is going to take over, stay for four years, and then leave? We, we could probably, I can, I can email him. I email him all the time, but, like, is he done? That seems yeah. to be Good question. the pattern in Springs lately. Is, 
you know, they've got, it seems like they have uh, a parent coach group that comes up with the kids and then they leave. Well, but I think the, that that's, I mean, Steffes was there for a long time. And right, Tim, yes. Tim Ahern was his assistant for a long time. It's not like yes. you know, Tim Ahern just stepped in there when his kids got there. Well, I know, right. but he I mean, he he did time. step he did step out when his kids were done, right? But he'd been there for a long time. I know. I'm just saying. Welsh has been an assistant for Ahern too, but I don't think he's been in the system for as long as those other two guys were. Well, no, not if you coach those guys up through youth. Yeah, I I think he's gonna stay. I, I think he's gonna stay. I hope so. I like him. Yeah, yeah he's a, he's a good coach and a nice guy. Well, he's I mean, no Tim Aaron, but you know. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> no, they're they're all good guys. Anything else about Division Two? Well, I just I it, I can mention I can mention now or during any of the <clears> other <throat> uh, summaries is that um, the if you look at shots on goal for the three championship games, each of them was very one sided. Um, but three goaltenders on the losing side kept the games closer than maybe they should have been. Um, hats off to, to Jamin Durfee in this game. Um, he, yeah. he, he pulled some out of his butt a couple of times um, to, 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 keep, to keep Superior in this game longer than they probably had a right to be in it. Yeah. Last year, I was I was researching a where are they now for all of our boys award winners, Pavelski, Drewiski, Dovinspec. And I didn't end up running it because the Pavelski award winners and the Drewiski award winners, for the most part, they all played hockey after high school. Uh, they went to juniors and then they went to college. Some D3, a lot of D1. Pretty much all of them. Goalies, not a one. Uh, I believe Colin Ahern is at UW-Eau Claire this year. I believe he's the one of our goalie award winners who played, who got to play college hockey. Uh, Jake Kupski at Waukesha graduated right before we started doing the awards. I believe Colin Ahern is the one. And I was thinking about, like, how come our goalies don't get any respect? And eventually it dawned on me that there's only two per team. Most teams will carry three goalies. There's only three. Teams got 18 skaters in front of them that are going to dress, plus however many they have on the bench because they, you know, they rotate a little bit. But there's three goalies. So I'm like, we need we need some more goalies to crack the list. It, it really bothered me. Wisconsin gets no respect. You know, you, when you talk about, when you talk about guys who won that Dobbin Speck Award, I mean, remember remember the kid from uh, Cedarburg, Matt McCoy? Yeah. He's a pretty good goalie. You know, Garrett Larson. Goalie. Garrett Larson out of Waukesha, another good goalie. You don't hear much about him after they get out of high school. Well, I mean, but then again, they're goalies. Who know? You know, who knows what their thought yeah. process is? McCoy was a pretty big kid, wasn't he? Fairly tall, like yeah. six two, six three. I think he's and six I, three. I know the coaches are infatuated with size for goalies, and um, I mean Larson was. Just a little guy, comparatively five ten, five eleven. I mean, not not a big guy. And no. I think a, a lot of these colleges look at that and go, 
He's not 6'2", 220. We don't want him because he doesn't well, fill the net. Start, well. start hanging your goalies upside down by their ankles. <laughs> uh, no Who uh, Did I guess Chris Nell never won the award? He was. He graduated before we had the award, I believe. Ah, okay. And we also had the one kid from Edgerton who came through, Tommy Edgerton. Edgewood. Tommy Moe's. Tommy Moe's. Yeah. That was before like, we had the awards. Okay. Tommy, no, Tommy Moe's, uh, he won one of our awards. He won our award. Um, but, like, I, when I'm looking through these, I use sites like Elite Prospects, which does a great job of following high school hockey players from high school on through. And yep. I don't I don't even see on Tommy Moe's page junior hockey, like even a year in the NA3HL or anything. <clears throat> Um, I don't see anything after high school, and I'm like, they, they could be wrong. They could have just missed it because I've found other ones they've missed before. But like, yeah, our goalies are not getting the respect that they deserve. Because we've had goalies who are as good at playing goalie as Sam Stang is at playing forward. <clears throat> so I'm just putting that out there. We have goalies who are as good at goalie as Sam Stang is at forward. Sam Stang is a badger. Where are all the goalies? <clears throat> now we'll move on to the girls. Uh, for the first game, because it was played earlier in the day, uh, University School of Milwaukee beat the Eau Claire Area Stars 1-0 in Chippewa Falls. Uh, they could not play that game in Eau Claire because uh, UW-Eau Claire, I don't, remember, I don't remember if it was their men or their women, they had a game that day. So it was moved over to Chippewa Falls. And then in the evening, the Chippewa Falls Menominee Sabres uh, in overtime beat the Central Wisconsin Storm 4-3. to And then in the championship game, the Chippewa Falls Menominee Sabres uh, beat the University School of Milwaukee 3-2 to again in overtime. Uh, that was the, the, the pick of mine that was the most in danger of being wrong because they played in overtime twice. Yeah, they were certainly battle-tested, that's for sure. And uh, to beat the Storm in overtime to go to state, I mean, that's unheard of, really. Uh, Storm is usually, if, if it's an overtime game, they win the game and they go to, well, in this case, Wisconsin Rapids, but not the case this time. Um, the game between the Sabres and USM was back and forth. USM scored in the first period to go up one to nothing. Second period, no scoring. Third period, um, uh, Chippewa Falls scored, then USM scored, and then Chippewa Falls scored. So, I mean, it's a lot of back and forth, and um, no one team ever really held command the whole game, even though shots were 2-1, to one, 28 for the Sabres and 15 for the Wildcats. And, um, well, I thought, again, that, I thought the Chippewa Falls really did control that game, but they couldn't find the net, the back of the net. Can I just back up a little bit? Sure. sure. Uh, the... The, the the semifinal game, the, the USM and, and Oakland, the one nothing game. Out of all the games I thought saw, I thought that one had the cleanest faceoffs. Um, that was like totally under control. That was like perfect game, um, you know, for as far as faceoffs go. Who was the lines person for that game? Wisconsin Prep Hockey's favorite official, Nicky uh, Nick Dowd. What they said on the, uh, the the PA announced that the PA and the, the the broadcast guys kept referring to her as Nick Dowd, who was actually one of the goal judges. Um, yeah, they had the names wrong, but uh, oh. 
Uh, I was going to was was doing lines and dropping pucks in that game. So I was going to ask you, did she get married and we just didn't know about it? No, no. That game was a good game. Um, I said that I was concerned with Eau Claire's lack of ability to score and USM kept him out of the net. Uh, the state, the championship game was the first game USM lost this year with Molly Jackson net. Um, they were, I think it was ten and zero with the playoffs at that point with Molly Jackson net. Um, so I mean, even though the ice was tilted in Chippewa Falls' favor, uh, they had to feel good, especially after that. I mean, ten seconds left in the first period. Um, Emily Mueller picks up a puck on a, a defensive turnover, goes around the other defenseman, and then a backhand up into the corner from in really close. It's hard to put a backhand there from that spot. Um, they had to feel great, given that that was their only shot of the period uh, going the into the locker room. Yeah, their only shot of the period was a beautiful backhand from in close up into the top corner, like into the top netting on the net. And I that think was that was the, the picture that I had. Yes. That was Odell. I went like she right over her left arm. That was a so, beautiful shot. It was um, a very nice shot. Yeah, Chippewa Falls outshot University <laughs> School twenty-eight to fifteen, and never led in the game un- until the final horn. Well, not the, not the horn, but the, the the final goal in overtime. Yeah, uh, there was a nice play. I think it was in the first period where. Uh, Ms. Hockey, Sidney Polzine was charging into the zone with the puck and went through both the defenseman and the ref. Uh, took them both down coming into the zone. Oh, and uh, Trasher got a great picture of the aftermath of that. Um, I saw that I was going through the picture. I saw uh, the referee and the, 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 the USM player, you know, both laying on the ice, looking at each other like what just hit us? Number six. Yeah, get out of the way. That was that was a nice play. Uh, Ella mm-hmm. Osman, um, she had a couple. I mean, she had the the first goal for the Sabers, but she had a couple really nice plays. She had a near goal, just a, a couple, like a couple shifts after she actually scored. Uh, she had an assist on Polzine's goal to, to make it uh, two to two uh, later, um, and then the overtime goal. Uh, Brianna uh, Bonacontro. Um, Burglar and I both thought the same thing. He said it out loud that um, she took that two-on-one. She went too deep. She's too deep. She's given up the play. She's gone too deep. And then she made that pass across. And by that time, the goalie had to commit to her to shoot because she had been that deep. And, you know, the other player, once the goalie has to commit, has a wide-open net to shoot at. And uh, Joey Schemenauer did not miss. I mean, She did not. Yeah, he said it as soon as she did. Oh, she's too deep. But, yeah. You know, that's 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 a dangerous spot. You go that deep and pass across, a lot of the time you're going to get poke checked away. Um, but she waited until the goalie had to commit to her on the shot. And uh, Schemenauer had enough clearance from the, the defender that was between the two of them that the pass could get across. Uh, and so and was... Jex did try to break up that pass. Um, she, she was just a little bit uh, short of... of knocking that one away so then yeah yeah overtime and overtime both, always the girls both game goalies, yeah both goalies played well odell and jacks both were between 87 and 90 percent pretty even 
not, you know, they obviously they'd like to be in the 90s, 92, 93, whatever, but they both made some really big saves. And again, you know, just like the first game, the fact that um, the Sabres outshot USM two to one and the goalies played equal, well, there's your, you know, your difference basically in the score. But um, it was. Uh, Math is cruel like that. Yeah. First title for, for CFM in that iteration, they had made two trips earlier as um, Chippewa Falls, McDonald Central, and the first, 2007, 2008, and the first year that they played, 2007, they played uh, Northern Pines in the semifinal game, and they won, it was like 10 to two or 10 to one or something like that. Michaela Hogan had six goals in that game for for Chippewa Falls, which is still a state record. And I saw her, she was doing a broadcast for, I think it was Wogo, W-O-G-O, during the Chippewa Falls game. And at one one point where they had the scoring, I think it was the second period, I said, you should go out there and suit up and go play. And she said, they don't need me. (laughs) I'm like, okay, well, and I guess they didn't. They got, it was a nice, nice game. And you know, I think I didn't really follow it too closely, the semifinals, but if, I don't know, USM, I, to me it seemed like they were probably going to win this game, you know, coming in. But Chippewa Falls is the real deal. They had a great year, and uh, they ended up winning the state title. So congrats to them. I think we, I, I think Tony, I think we got to give credit to Tony Minardi. He came on this show. He got some karma, and look at that. He wins. John more Welsh coaches. Too. More, John Welsh. Yeah, yeah, and, and oh, Davis Drisky, obviously he don't need it. Before oh, yeah. before Burglar said, let's invite Trasher, I said, let's invite Davis Drewiski. Since we had Tony Menard and John Welsh on the show this year, I said, well, let's just make it oh. the trifecta and add Drewiski. And he said, no, let's invite Trasher. And I'm like, well, that's a step <laughs> down, but okay. Yeah. So, all right. So, so MJ, you're saying instead of the Sports Illustrated jinx, you've got the Wisconsin prep hockey bump? Could be. You know, it's like with Jim Rome. I mean, guys come on their show looking for a little extra karma for, you know, their for football like they're at that weekend. They're looking for a little bit extra, and they think if they come on Jim Rome, they get it. Well, we're not Jim means, Rome, but thank I mean. Goodness. That means yeah. next year we need to, if we talk to, to Mark Thorne and, and Brian Brantigan, we need to talk to them about their teams instead of about being presidents of their various <laughs> coaches associations. Give them Very a true. Bump. Oh, there you go. WIPH bump. I, I like You guys that. ready to bump into the Division One state championship game? Sure. It's getting uh, bad. The Verona, my bad time. Because all the games were played at 7, the Verona-USM game is the only game I didn't watch. Uh, I could really only watch mm. at best. At best, I can watch two at a time, and even then, that's iffy. Uh, and I was watching, um, not Superior and Lakeland. So I was watching Springs and Somerset, and uh, Hudson and Notre Dame. Uh, so I didn't watch the USM uh, Verona game. So I can't really give a lot of thoughts on that one, other than the fact it seems a lot like USM came unglued uh, towards the end of the game. Uh, you don't like to see that, but uh, there were some misconducts, a game misconduct. Uh, there was, you know, some of that. Um, 
so it looks like USM came unglued uh, in the end of the game. Like, and that game is like the 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 shots in that game are just wild. Verona um, outshot them thirteen to three in the first, and then USM came back sixteen to nine in the second. Um, but Verona did the same thing they did against Wanaki, really, which is uh, one big period, uh, one big three goal period, uh, kind of sealed it for them. Except this time Verona it was the first period, and from there they just had to ride it out and. It looks like frustration on the part of the university school took over uh, and erased a good chunk of their third period if they wanted to come back. Um, They had 15 penalties. I'm looking at the box score right now, and I see that uh, at the 10.34 mark, university school scored a power play goal by Peter Ells. Minute and a half later, well... You know, minute 26 later, Verona got that goal right back. You talk about a momentum breaker right there. And you know, in the third period, they just tacked on one more with uh, with just under two minutes to go. And, you know, yeah, I see what you're talking about because I'm looking at the penalties here. You know, that's not university school hockey. That's not the way they play. So they were off their game, uh, no doubt, in my mind. And then, but when you get when you, when you're that school and you're used to getting out on somebody three nothing, you know, you hit the, you know, you don't hit the panic button. But you know, Verona has a very good goaltender in Caden Grant, and Caden Grant was able to, you know, shut it down from there and keep them at bay while his team tacked on an extra two goals after the first period. The, I've 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 felt this for a while now about both USM and Notre Dame Academy is that uh, they're both highly skilled, boring teams. Um, they don't play overly aggressive. Um, they just, they, they stick to their system. They always just kind of stick to their system and expect because they are highly talented teams that eventually they're going to win. Um, and I think there have been times where, uh, Notre Dame and USM could have both shown a little bit more, I don't know what the right word is. uh, Urgency. Urgency. That is the urgency. Urgency. And, and I just, I, because they're so, they're, they're so talented. I don't think either of them, I don't think either of them has shown themselves to be particularly good at playing from behind. Um, Cause they're not used to it. Yeah. You're not, you gotta, you have to show that urgency. And I just, I haven't seen that out of them. And obviously in this one, uh, USM went the other way uh, where, you know, things just kind of devolved. Uh, and then moving on to the next one, Hudson and Notre Dame. I, I picked Hudson. Hudson was my, my champ. Uh, as we saw in the podcast last week, but I said they weren't going to show hold Notre Dame to 14 shots like they did the time they did the first time. And this time they held them to 12. According <laughs> to the WIA's math, and you know we all know the WIA's math isn't always great, uh, but th- th- this time they hold, held them to 12. And you know Notre Dame got, uh, they actually led 2-1 to one at the end of the first period, but uh, I don't know, you wouldn't have felt strongly about it. Especially in the second period, Hudson got two goals in the span of 31 seconds. Um, and then in the third period, they did it again. They had two goals early in the third period, a minute 12 apart. Um, and then the last one um, by Nick Jelinek, uh, Jellick was just um, icing on the cake. Um, Hudson, they're not, they don't have the same kind of speed that Springs does, but they're more exact in everything they do. Um, Springs is incredibly fast and they make good passes. Hudson is fast and make great passes. Um, like they're just, they're just, 
it's so precise and exact in everything they do. They didn't put up 47-55 shots like Springs did, but across their two state tournament games, they gave up 19 shots. Now, Junior, and, you know, a while back, we had that discussion. I put that out there. I said, look at these years. Hudson wins state this year. Look at this level. They win it this year. Look at this. They win it this year. That talent is at the high school level now. You can well, say the same thing about Fond du Lac Springs. I mean, look, here's, they wanted this here's level. Here's the they thing. This level. A lot of, the, like, especially, like, two years ago, I think it was two years ago, Hudson won seven state tournaments, but three at Bantam, four at Squirt. Mm-hmm. Those Bantams aren't seniors yet. They're not juniors yet. They're sophomores. Maybe. Maybe a couple of them are juniors. Like, this, they're not going away. No. Um, no. Hudson's going to be good for a really long time. Uh, and then moving, uh, yeah, moving on from the from the Notre Dame game, moving on to the the Verona game. Um, according to the WIA score sheet, Verona did not have a shot on goal in the first period. We've mm. seen we've seen we've seen games at the state. We've seen running time games at the state tournament. We've seen a lot of games at the state tournament years. When is the last time you remember a team not taking a shot in a period? Especially a team like Verona. Yeah, it's that's insane. Um, well, any team, any team that makes it to the, the 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 championship game, you know, has got to be good. Yeah, it, it's it's like that's like that's that's insane. Um, and Hudson, like I thought, Verona was fast. Verona was fast against Wanaki. That was the. The game that I actually watched of theirs the first time they were fast against Wanaki. We saw them jump out to a three nothing lead against University School. I didn't get to watch that one. We know they're fast, and Hudson was faster. Uh, Hudson was also bigger, and they handled the puck better. Um, and this is a Verona team that won the state tournament last year, you know, in good fashion, and returned a lot of those guys back this year. Caden Grant is still there. Did. Leo Redland is still there. Um, Walker, Walker Hessig is still there. Anthony Heinrich is still there. Nate Jurens is still there. Like they returned a lot of that state championship team, and Hudson just dominated this game. I mean, four nothing is not like a brutal game or anything, but I mean, the shots according to the WIA sheet were thirty-five to seven. Um, in a state championship game, they held their opponent to under ten shots on goal. That is just stifling, crippling defense. And you look at their playoff games, what were they scoring? Four to five goals a game. That's what Verona was scoring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Hudson, that was, that's, a, that's like scary good. Yeah. Um, you know, Junior, you said that Hudson was bigger, and that's what I thought too, because, I mean, they just looked, big out there on the ice for some reason but i looked at the rosters and i actually wrote this down verona had six kids over six foot tall hudson only had four you know what it is each team had a 200 pound player and that was it so really hudson was not bigger either one is that big you know what it is though is verona wears black and black is slimming yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. That, I, I wear black pants for that reason. Yeah, yeah, husband, yeah. wearing the white. White makes you look bigger. Yeah, and you know another thing too that I thought is that okay. So Hudson's got a, a coach that played 
in the NHL, a defenseman, and he was a pretty good defenseman in the NHL. Um, it just seemed like he has taught that team how to play defensively and to just clog everything up. And it just didn't look like Verona had any space to operate at all. You know, every they, time they, they tried to make a pass, it would get deflected or they try to make a move and the guy would check, get checked off the puck. And they just didn't, you know, they couldn't make any, any advancement into the offensive zone. And well, that, I noticed you know, this late in the first period. Um, there were a couple times when Verona actually got the puck into the Hudson zone. And then when Hudson got the puck back, um, Verona at best, and it was fairly passive, had one guy forechecking and the other four were back on the blue line. Like, it didn't take long before Verona was, like, playing full defense against mm-hmm. Hudson. Um, yeah, like, you wouldn't expect Verona. Verona is, they're an aggressive team. They're... I mean, they don't have the the speed. I don't think that Springs had, but they played Springs to a one goal game earlier this year. Verona's an aggressive team. They're an attack first team, and they had one guy on the forecheck, and four guys back. Um, it's just uh, Hudson is so exact. I'm looking and here, I think the numbers the, on the game. Go I ahead, think, Junior. I think, I think for Hudson, whereas Springs is attack, attack, attack. I think for Hudson, defense comes first. Um, they have the guys who can score and, and, and move the puck, but they don't... A lot of times you'll see, especially in high school, you'll see a team make an offensive rush and you know the shot will go wide or the goalie will deflect it into the corner and then the team gets a rush back the other way and they have an advantage because all of a sudden you know three forwards for the, for the attacking team are buried in deep. But that didn't seem to happen. Like Hudson never seemed outmanned going back the other way. Uh, not really. Um... Is it Sam Istition? Is that how you say it? Sam Istition? I-S-Z-C-Z-Y-S-Z-Y-N? Istition? Because however they said it on the broadcast just butchered his name, and I'm like... (laughs) You know what it is? It's Isaacson. Isaacson? Because I asked Joel about this one before. It's like, Joel, what is this? He says it's pronounced Isaacson. Well, Hmm. you should buy a vowel. (laughs) (laughs) I just think, think, you know... If you're yeah, if his... you're gonna if you're gonna broadcast their games, kind of like me with I already forgot how to pronounce Misaizva for for like and you got to ask how to pronounce it because like even when the the guy tried twice during the introductions to say his name right and he's just I just saw him sitting there during introduction shaking his head. Oh, they, they should Tom give him Bennett would have got it right. Give him a new nickname. They call him Eye Chart. Looking here, um, looking at the first period, Verona. No, you said they got, you know, got held to one shot. But I think the thing that was key here was Hudson got two goals. They got to Caden Grant, which surprises me. The first one, you know, a guy just turned around and threw it at the net. And it was a good shot, but but that was yeah, that that first one was just he got the puck in the high slot, turned and fired. I mean, you have a good sense of, you know, like, you're not going to aim a shot from there. You know where you are on the hockey rink. But he just turned mm-hmm. and fired, and it was a beautiful shot into the corner of the net. And based on, yeah, based on the replay, based on how late Grant's reaction was, I don't think he saw the shot taken. He didn't see I don't the think he did either. Because there was a defenseman and another forward standing right in front of him. And he was trying to get around him, but he didn't see that shot taken. Uh, the second one, I there was only one angle of the replay 
where you could actually I where I actually think I saw what happened, but the rest of them, you the just the angle of the camera didn't quite work right. I think that puck hit his glove, and deflected off the side of his glove and hit his stick on the other side and went in. Was that the one where the picture of him sitting next to the net and the puck is in the net, or did, was yes. that in the third period? I think that was that one. I I think so too, and I think at that picture was worth a thousand words because he, he just seemed he to it. be like, well, yeah, and but he seemed to be kind of frustrated after that. Like, shit, I'm doing my best out there, and I gave up two goals in the first period, you know, and I, I yeah. think that affected him a little bit the rest of the game. Well, he played well. I mean, he played he well the rest of yeah, the game, but yeah. I mean, the puck was in their zone saves. the whole time. You look at one of the things you, one of you guys made a, made a point of was in this game power plays. Both these teams had good power plays, and neither team scored on them. Verona 0 for yeah. 3, and Hudson 0 for 5. Yeah, both the PKs did really well, and obviously your, your best penalty killer is your goalie. Uh, I don't like that saying, but you hear it a lot. Uh, a really good penalty kill doesn't need a, a brilliant goalie behind them all the time, but um, like, I don't know how many, I don't know how many shots Ripplinger actually took on the Verona power plays. I thought Hudson did a really good job in front of him to keep the, the puck away. Uh, Caden Grant had a couple nice power play saves, but even then the Verona, the Verona PK um, acquitted themselves very well in this game. Um, especially, you know, considering the, the shot differential you'd expect, Hudson would have at least had one power play goal on five chances, but yeah, they never really had. Um, they had one really good chance off of a faceoff, um, I think, where Hunter Danielson got the puck right off the draw and like walked in on the side of the net with Grant all by himself, and Grant made the save on that one. But I think that was their best. I think that one was on a penalty uh, power play. I think that was their best power play chance. Aiden Grant was also our uh, Dobbin Speck. Goalie of the year, Des- deservingly so. I mean, you don't get to be, you don't get to be Team Wisconsin's goalie, purely on, on, on reputation. Um, you know, there are years that might get you on the team, but that doesn't make you the starter. Um, so, I mean, he's he's a he's a he's a fantastic goalie, but I mean, they might have needed two of them in the net, uh, the way the the ice was tilted in this one. When you when you when you look at this one, and you see that Hudson scored two goals early, and you guys talked about a little bit of frustration on Caden Grant, maybe frustrated that you know they got too early on me. Do you think ever at some point Verona says, you know what, we may be in a little bit of trouble here? I think when I saw that they were only forechecking one guy and had four guys back, I think they knew they were in trouble. Um. So there, you know, there's that, um, and just, I mean, getting through a period without recording an official shot on goal. I mean, they may have had one in there that the scorer missed. You never, I mean, we all know, counting shots is the worst part of scoring. Um, everybody has a different opinion. I mean, we all know what the rule book says. If the puck would go in the net, it's a shot. If it wouldn't go in the net, it's not a shot. A ping off the pipe is not a shot on goal. A goalie making a wild glove save on a puck that would have sailed over the net is not a shot on goal. Nope. Um, but, you know, from that angle, judging what is and is not a shot on goal is, is difficult, and it's the worst part of scoring the game. 
Um, so, you know, did they really take zero shots on goal in the first period? I don't know. Um, but when you get through a period and the official score says you've taken zero shots on goal, that has to weigh on you. Uh, well, you to know, look at the, to know look that at you stats. didn't make the opposing goalie do anything is that's got to weigh on you. You you look at you look at the shots. First period, eleven nothing. Second period, Hudson ten, Verona five. Third period, I mean, it's still a two nothing game. Fourteen for Hudson, two for Verona. It's hard to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, and like, they traded I, penalties in the third period. Like I said at one at one point during the girls semifinal between the Storm and CFM, I was just kind of being cheeky about it, but um, I pointed out that the Storm was out shooting Chippewa Falls Menominee by a decent margin, and then I pointed out that they also got shot in their last two sectional games, and I'm like, I don't think they care that they're being outshot. Uh, but there's a difference between being outshot 30 to 20 and a difference between being outshot at that point 21 to 5 after two periods for Hudson and Verona. I mean, there's a difference between getting outshot and there's a difference between being destroyed in the shot department. And, uh, yeah, Hudson, they dominated. It was, like, as fast as we saw Springs was, and that was an impressive set of games they played. I was just, I was so impressed with the way Hudson played. It was just dominant. There's no other word. And, yeah, like I said, they're not going away. Um, I, I pulled up the Waha uh, championships from, from 2019 where they won at, at three levels of Bantam. Their first Bantam team, their second Bantam team, their third Bantam team. Um, Bantams are based, for the most part, Bantams are eighth and ninth graders. Um, around here, they're mostly eighth graders because uh, the ninth graders are going to go up and play JV on the high school team rather than play Bantam. Uh, they want to, you know, get in with the high school program as, as soon as they can. So I don't know whether I don't know if they if they um, stay at Bantams more Hudson, Hudson or, or just if 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 Hudson is like Superior was back in the day, where they can have you know uh, a JV a varsity team, a JV team, and still have that many freshmen. Left I over. believe I believe if you look at the 2019 Waha that Hudson also won the midget state tournament that year. Um, That'd be like club, I think, right? Yeah. Yes. That was Shaw, or at least played in it. Yeah, but you look at you look at that. I mean, anyway, um, you know it's coming. Well, yeah, and like, the, the, their peewees weren't their, their peewees didn't win, but their squirts won at all three levels. So, again, you get to high school. Um, so you know your squirts are, you know your 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 freshmen and sophomores, while maybe your your juniors and seniors aren't that good. You're you're going to have more freshmen and sophomores on the team that year they yeah they're they're going to be good for a while you know what i find amazing probably most amazing about everything you just said is that they had three squirt teams how many organizations do you know that have three squirt teams well, i'm, I'm sorry um they had four they had four and they they, they all won yeah they had <laughs> they had c1 and c2 and they both won hmm they won four squirt state tournaments. Jeez. I mean, Rapids used to have two teams at each level, 
now they're lucky to field one. I mean, so for Hudson to have four square teams, wow, that bodes yeah, very well for the future. Hudson's, Hudson's midget team didn't win the state tournament that, that year, but they had a midget team that played in the state tournament. So besides having a varsity team and a JV team, they had enough guys to field a U18 club team. And then they won three Bantam state tournaments. That's, That's crazy. scary. Mm-hmm. How I mean, much, I how much that, of... I know Hudson is a bedroom community for the Twin Cities, but come on. How much of Hudson, though, is influenced by being that close to Minnesota? I guess you could. I guess at one point you could. I I was just say. say, I guess at one point you could have said that about Superior too. Let's just say some, at at the very least, some. There there is at least some, and 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 I'm not joking when I say Hudson is a bedroom community for the Twin Cities. I know. I know. I have. I have several. I have several friends that I made in college, um, that at least for some time, not all of them still do, worked in the Twin Cities and lived in Hudson. They were Minnesota people. They worked in the Twin Cities and they lived in Hudson. It was not, it's not uncommon. Um, and they have, uh, I haven't seen it myself, but I have heard tell of just this beautiful sports training facility they have in Hudson. Um, obviously, they have uh, Davis Drewiski now on their, their high school boys team. Uh, she's the assistant, but Karen Bai is, you know, on their, with, working with their girls team. I mean, she in was, Talifus. she was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Haran Bai was every bit as I mean, Cameron Granado is the one everybody remembers from that first women's Olympic team. But Karen Bai was every bit as important to that team's success as she was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, they have there's a lot going for Hudson in in Wisconsin right now. Well, in, ter- in terms of you know playing as at the youth level, um, you know it's like it was in in Superior. I mean, playing at the youth level, there are you know twenty associations in Minnesota that are closer than anybody in Wisconsin to Hudson. And the Twin mm-hmm. Cities are closer than any comparable, any city in Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, if you go yeah, down... They, they, they play a lot. I mean, if you go down, if you go down 94, 90, whatever highway that is, 94. 94, 94. If you go down 94 to Hudson, it is, I think, 35 minutes to Menominee. It's less than that to St. Paul and the yeah. outer in the outer St. Paul suburbs. Um, I've, I've driven that that block of 94 many times. Yeah, it's 10 minutes to Woodbury. Yeah. So yeah. 10 minutes to that's Still- all interstate. It was all about Stillwater. Yep. <laughs> Wonder how Trasher knows about Stillwater. The ponies. <laughs> So yeah, that's 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 Hudson in a nutshell, um, and that was—I mean, I expected them to win, but 19 shots in two games is, is, is absurd. That's a level of defense I don't know that we've ever seen at the state tournament. Junior, you did get to watch that game, right? Yeah, I watched them all. We watched them all at Burglar's House because his TV's bigger than mine. Okay, let me ask you this: How many times in that Hudson game did you see Hudson get out and block a shot? Did they block many shots? Verona didn't take many, to be honest. I, I don't think so. Even even I, I attempting. Don't think so. There, I mean, there it was. It was. It wasn't a game where Verona took, you know, twenty five shots and Hudson blocked fifteen of them. That wasn't happening. There was. It, 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 it did happen. There were blocked shots, but that wasn't the bulk 
for the most part, Verona didn't have it in the zone. Uh, and if they did have it, it didn't stay there long. Um, no, they weren't taking shots from the point. If they had the puck, it was down deep and maybe got a shot and then boom, going back the other way, which pretty much was the story of the game. Uh, Verona had a, a freshman defenseman that got a lot of ice time that I liked. He took a couple penalties. Number 11? Uh, David Dina? Dina. Dina? Yeah. Yeah, I, I liked him. He he I, seemed like he was really fast. The two penalties he took, I like, I'm... The part of the reason I could I could I, I was I was a defenseman, but I would I would never be a delete defenseman. Is my dad always said, I'm not mean enough. Um, there are penalties sometimes you have to take as a defenseman, and in my mind on the ice, anytime I took a penalty, my team was in a worse position than when they started. Um, <laughs> because, uh, yes, there were games where the only time the other team scored was because I was in the penalty box. Not often, but it had happened. Uh, but David Dean, he took, he took a, a, a one was called slashing and the other one was called hooking. Those were both penalties where the Hudson guy was just too fast and he had to do something to slow him down. But I thought, yeah, freshman, I thought he looked really good. Um, he was he uh, he had he had a nose for being in the right spot. I thought he looked really good. Uh, Verona has a lot of seniors now this year after their their championship last year, I believe. Um, but you know they've still got they've still got Verona always has guys in the pipeline so. Uh, but yeah, I, I, he, yeah, I saw him a lot. He looked good. Yeah, he he played a, a regular shift uh, on the blue line, and that's what I thought too. I thought he looked really fast. He was always heading for the puck. Um, I think he'll be a pretty talented player as time goes on. I mean, he's gonna have big shoes to fill. Um, Nathan Jurens, oh, I believe, Jerns. is a senior now. So, I mean, yeah. he's been. I believe he was a finalist each of the last two years for the Drew Whiskey Award. Um, you know, so I can tell you that I can tell you that he, uh, he's been at, uh, junior camps and he's been one of the guys who's been talked about a lot and teams really liked him. uh, Jurens and Osting, uh, both on the blue line, um, are both, um, names that I think everybody knows at this point, but I like the, I like that Dina kid. If I mean we gotta we can't just talk about how dominant Hudson was. We have to say what Verona did well, and I liked him. I like yeah, I think I think he he's a player to watch going forward. Yeah, he was uh, a lot of times freshman would be kind of timid. He was not, not at all. It's hard to be a. I mean, high school hockey is so much faster than bantam hockey. Oh yeah. Oh, Especially yeah. at the state tournaments, <laughs> for sure. All right, well, that's all three championship games. Um, we'll be back at some point, hopefully this week, to present our girls' uh, end-of-season award winners. We were not able to do that uh, this last week. Um, Dell, Dell, who, who tabulates that and runs the girls' side uh, of the awards for us, was indisposed um, and then trapped in Texas. Uh, with everything that was going on. So uh, once we get Dell back, uh, we'll be able to uh, do the girls' award presentation. We don't know what it'll look like yet, but if it's a stream like this, we will definitely stream it on YouTube uh, so everybody who is nominated can can turn in. Uh, Trash has got his cat there because it's a Zoom stream. <laughs> hey, hi to Hudson. Hey, Hudson. It's, it's, a, it's like, what are you it's doing? A, it's, doing? It's, a, it's, a, it's a cat named Hudson, but it wears Verona colors. 
he he thinks he's a dog and he's wanted to be on the podcast so now we can say that he was so trasher yes you know, are you are you, are you going to pull a Brett Favre and unretire or are you just going to pop in every now and then if if there's something you want to do well let's uh let's get that story written next week and uh you know consultants make good money maybe we can look at it that way <laughs> Yeah, Trash is going to write a story. Uh, he's going to write a story for us <laughs> on what it took to to bring the state tournament together in Wisconsin Rapids. I told in him in his backyard. He needs, to, he needs to get uh, on yeah. the uh, city council there because Wisconsin Rapids is a good location. They just need to build like an eight thousand seat hockey arena. Uh, we'll be good to well, go. Well, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. They just spent how given many million on their given that there's center. given that there's four of them in the entire state and the other ones are in Madison, Milwaukee and Green Bay. Yeah, probably Did you not. Tell that as a as a consultant slash freelancer, uh, we 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 pay by the word for the articles. Mhm. Make sure it's long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, um I'm actually going to talk to uh, Jim Arnold tomorrow. Jim Arnold is the Southwood County rec center manager uh facilities manager and he's been there for a long time he does a hell of a job and one of the uh the points of the story is going to be that it's a family affair because his wife and daughter and son were all there all day yesterday um his son cooper i i, I don't know how old he is i'm gonna say he's like six or seven but if if he was tall enough, he could drive the Zamboni right now. That's how much he knows about it. And he's, uh, when Jim told him that uh, we're going to go to the rink in the morning, we got to go pretty early. He said, what time? He said, well, we're going to leave at 7. Uh, Cooper was up at like 6.30, raring to go already. So, um, you know, a family affair, uh, The like Pat McDonald, Jeff Gunderson, the coaches for Lincoln, they played a big part in it. And uh, there were a lot of players and um, like the athletic director and volunteers and stuff. So, I mean, you realize how many people we see doing that kind of stuff in Madison and they probably did it with, you know, not nearly as many, but I mean, they only had one day, but still, you know, they did a hell of a job, hats off to them, you know? And I told Shafransky that too, I said, for you know putting this all together basically in a few weeks or whatever they did a heck of a job so i I think it was a success and um the story i think will will kind of tell that a little bit more so people can see what really happened to make this all a reality and i saw coach mcdonald uh, introduce the teams at the the banquet uh, the boys state tournament banquet and i asked burglar when did pat get so old uh, and he pointed out we've been doing this for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it sneaks up on you, right? It does. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen Pat in a long time, so. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like that long ago. Pat McDonald was uh, an all-state player at Eau Claire North, you know, and now he's been coaching, and Rapids Lincoln was a perennial powerhouse, and, uh, you know, the 2000s, they went to state like five or six years in a row. I mean, so, 
stuff happens, I guess. And now all of a sudden you turn around and it's like, ah, damn, I'm ready to retire in a couple of years. So, but anyways, they, they did a heck of a job, all the volunteers, they pulled it all together. They made it ran pretty smoothly and uh, hats off. Hell, hell of a job. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, other than, I mean, I think, you know, from the TV experience, it probably went about as good as, as good as it could at any local rink. I didn't see, I mean, just because of the, the camera placement you have to do with the smaller rink, there were times when there were heads in the way, but mm-hmm. they were few and far between. Uh, I thought everything went really well. Everything looked really good. The only real question I got uh, was what's with the logo on the ice, the, the, the hazardous <laughs> waste logo. Um, hazardous. There, the, there were there were a couple people that are that are not... Like I got some questions on Twitter from people who are out of state who are watching, um, and they're like, you know, we we do ours like Minnesota. We do ours in the Excel. Well, like, what local rink are you guys at? And I had to explain why. First off, we can't play where we normally play. Dane County won't let us. Um, so you know, this year it's at a local rink, limited attendance, blah blah blah. I'm like, you people aren't laboring under the delusion that Minnesota is going to let you have the Excel Energy Center for your state tournament this year, are you? I mean that would be a hell of a thing. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, the NHL's no, not letting they, their fans in there. They're not going to let nineteen thousand people in there for a high school hockey game. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, what? Yeah, uh, and they even it came in handy, but they even uh, managed to get the overhead cameras installed, uh, which was very important in the girls' championship game. Um, cause, uh, the, the first goal that was scored by, uh, Chippewa Falls. Falls McDonald, um, when the goal was scored, it looked like a goal. When they played the first replay, it looked like the puck never crossed the line and it was only the overhead camera, um, that actually clearly showed the puck, uh, hitting in the netting behind the pipe, um, hmm. Without that overhead camera, I believe that goal probably would have been disallowed. Yeah, once you saw it in the overhead camera, you could kind of see it from the normal camera view, but even then it was tough. <clears throat> but yeah, that, that puck must have just snuck in and hit the that pad and then kicked back out right away, that pad right behind the pipe and kicked back out. So yeah, the overhead camera, that worked very well. It probably worked better at Southwood County. Um because most of those cameras have a digital zoom, not an optical zoom. So by being closer to the net, there's less zoom artifacting. Yeah, and they oh, we really talking... didn't, didn't use the, the replay that much. I think there was, what, only maybe three or four times the whole tournament? I remember the two. There was the goal the goal by Osman, and then they used one. Uh, they had a replay um, on the, the Verona non-goal uh, where the player crashed into the net and then the whistle got blown early like that puck. There was nowhere, there was no possible way that puck could have gone in the net. Both the goalie and a Verona player were filling up all that space. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the only thing that I, I thought was maybe a little bit suspect was they took a lot of time on that. I think it was the first goal. I, I think, don't they have like a rule where they say it's only going to be like two minutes or two something? Minutes. Yeah, there was, it they seemed like it, it was a lot longer than minutes. that. It, it didn't time like it. It, it, more... it felt longer than two minutes it, to me, but yeah, I think it was. But still, you know, they got it right, and that's all that matters. And that is the most important thing. 
People, <laughs> yeah. lots of people complain about replay, and sometimes I do too. But if it makes a wrong call right, then it's the right thing to do. A human error should not term determine a state champion when you have the means to fix it. Yeah. Well, we we, yeah. we actually don't even know if it made a wrong call right because the officials on ice didn't make a call. Call made on that play. Mm. I mean, because they, they were saying they didn't signal goal. The goal light never went on. Um, you know, so we don't know if it was actually called a goal in the first place. But they got it right in the end. They did. Good point. Good on you. Oh, and then the last thing tonight. Chris McGurk retired. We put a post story about it. It's more popular than either of our state championship stories or any of our state championship stories or state semifinal stories. In fact, uh, based on the numbers, I believe it's the second most popular post we've had this season behind uh, just a one-off just a one-off Facebook post congratulating uh, Pavelski on getting his 800 points that blew up. Uh, 20-some thousand people saw that one. But, yeah, Chris McGurk, retiring official, is the second most popular thing we posted this year. At well, least as far fits, as Facebook impressions go. Fits right along with him being our second most favorite official. Yeah, and I think it, it goes to the point that like officials matter. And if you're a good one and you know, people will like you. Um and you know, a lot of the WIA and Waha both need more officials. Um and officials do matter and uh the officiating I think at the state tournament was really good and we need to see more officials, so you know, if you're thinking about it, you know, go to one of the, they'll have USA Hockey ref Some, seminars. Yeah, the ref seminar in the fall. They probably have virtual ones all the time right now that you could go to. Go and check it out if you, you know, if you're at, at all interested in being a ref. I just saw a story USA Hockey posted uh, just the other day about a 12-year-old ref. Um, so 12, he's what, a peewee? Yeah. Yeah. 12-year-old uh, ref. Uh, who's like you know the, the the photo is him with the whistle arm pointed it was all you know like a real ref except that he's 12 um and you know it was it was on it was talking about his you know why he's an official and all that and it, he talked about what burglar has mentioned many times in regard to officials he thinks it's making him a better hockey player uh he understands the game better um so you know if you've got a kid who's who's playing hockey and wants to be a ref you know that's cool too. Squirts like it when like bantams ref their games instead of old guys. Uh, mites like it when peewees ref their games instead of old guys. Uh, so you know, take a well, look. Well, it's going to kind of also be the passing of the torch since my kid, his high school career is done now, and the next one of the WIPH crew is Junior going to be your kids? Well, one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just I think we discussed which one it was, but yeah, still, I don't um, think I don't think my son's gonna stick with it, so it'll probably be my daughter. I'm I'm kind of working on an article about it. I mean, it's how for him it may have been an emotional year, but as a parent, it's also a very emotional year when um, the end starts to come near, and you realize that you know it's like a roll of toilet paper. The more you get to the end, the faster it rolls, and this year was kind of like that. I mean, we saw it with Trasher just a couple of years ago when Bubbles graduated. 
after yeah, her, that's her, six years ago now her four years at the Rap, point mm-hmm. rapids red panthers and you know i think a lot of people at that time breathed a sigh of relief because when they came to wisconsin prep hockey on wednesday and it wasn't a goalie story they didn't they didn't have to read a point rapids red panthers recap oh yeah <laughs> and, and to, to go a little bit further my son played all from the time he was nine all through high school and then after he graduated, that's when Emily started playing. So it was like 22 or 23 straight years where I had a kid in either youth hockey or high school hockey. And like MJ said, man, when it gets to the end, there's a lot of emotion, you know? And um, for the the seniors this year, especially, this year sucked, you know? It just truly did. And I, I know you guys talked about it all the time and I feel bad for him, but um, in the end, you know, to have a state tournament, I think that that helped make things a little bit better. So uh, we at least had that. Yes. You know, and there was even some schools that didn't even have hockey this year. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, we're very fortunate and a lot of schools are very grateful that they were able to get that pull that off for a season. And you know, some kids yeah. got cut a little bit short on it. Some kids got the whole deal. So yeah, I mean, some states it is what it is start. at this point. I mean, Right. Minnesota started mid-January. Michigan started while we were in sectionals. Um, hmm. So, I think the WIAA did a did a good job. Yeah, uh, and is... and as strange as this year was, I mean, ending up with, you know, superior in the championship game. I mean, that made it all seem like normal. Okay. Oh. <laughs> You're supposed to be in the championship game. They've been in like 38 championship games. Yeah, in, but in they hadn't 50, been there in, in five years. In fifty, in fifty years, I think it was they've been in thirty-eight state tournaments. And yeah, and of those, they've been in the championship game like twenty-seven times. Twenty-eight. Yeah. yeah, and one one other thing that is kind of weird is that Hudson's season ended in the same rank last year and this year, but only one was a state final. Last year was the the sectional final between Chippewa Falls and Hudson. That Chippewa Falls won. Hudson lost year last year, and they come in this year and they take Verona to win the state title. So good on them. All right, guys, it's bedtime. All right, yes, sign us out, MJ. All right, folks, we will have the uh, girls. WIPH Awards will be coming back. Watch the website. We'll uh, get you exact times and a date, and we'll come back and we'll get those uh, announced. And I'm sure Dell will be looking forward to doing that. And for the guys, Bill Bill, Michael, and his cat, I'm Mike Hammett. We'll see you shortly here on This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey. <laughs>